for the queen. Sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti. Black girl magic, melanin popping. Whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. Today's conversation is with Christian Prophet. Christian Prophet is a certified coach based out of Chicago. Today's conversation goes into how she grew up, the tragedies, the trauma, and also how she got through it on the other side and became the best person that she could be. This was a very interesting conversation, but yet so informative. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. This is Ursula with Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. Once again, my name is Ursula and I'm a podcaster here in Atlanta. I am a self-care advocate, self-care connoisseur, mental health awareness, mental health wellness advocate, everything under that umbrella. So, Just want to let everybody know that we have a few things coming up. I have a huge announcement coming up in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned. I also want to give a special shout out to my 413 family. I love you all. Really good seeing all the kind comments from you all as well. And I want you all to check out my podcast. It's Black Girls Getting Their Shit Together, and it's on all streaming platforms. And if you want to see a visual of this face or the t-shirts, go on my YouTube channel as well. So today, oh, also, most importantly, if you hear me, I want you to share right now. Please share this live or start a watch party, tag a friend, say hello. I need to see all my people out there as well. And also, if you all are watching this on a replay, make sure and type replay so I know who's there. So today we have a very beautiful guest from Chicago. Her name is Christian Prophet. She is a certified coach and I'm going to bring her on right now. Hi. Hey, Christian. How are you? I'm well. How are you, love? I'm good. Good. So, everyone, this is Christian Prophet, and I'm going to read a little about Christian. First of all, Christian has a book. We are going to do, you know what? This is a, a dual stream today. We're going to review this amazing book that she wrote, but also the message that comes with the book. So, I'm just going to read a little intro. 
Why Christian Speaks, and that's the name of the book. It's a true story based on the author's life experiences as a young girl growing up in New Orleans, sharing her early journeys through sex, drugs, and hopelessness. Christian walks you through the horrific trials, and it was horrific. I read the book. It, ugh, it, was, it was tough. Horrific trials that she experienced beginning at the tender age of 12 years old. The story is giving, excuse me, this story is her living testimony to the world, showing that you can overcome even the darkest days. The purpose behind every page is to inspire and empower you to see how you too can endure hardships and pain and still prevail with a little faith. Anything is possible and why Christian speaks can be an inspiration to all. Christian, did I leave anything out about you, sis? No, you covered it. <laughs> so I want to let everybody know how I met Christian as I'm going through Instagram. <laughs> Christian, tell everybody what your Instagram page, the name of it. Um, Christian Profit Coaching. Right. So she has some pretty dope posts. And a lot of her posts has resonated with my soul. It made my soul vibrate. And so I reached out to Christian. <laughs> I reached out and we had nice dialogue. And then she told me about her book. And it, the book was something else. I read it. You sent me the link. And I think I got the book two days later. It's on Amazon, everyone. So... That's how we met. And so my motivation for this show was, is that everybody grows up with different childhood traumas, but Christian is living proof that you can withstand the fire. You just have to put the work in and you look at her angelic face. What we're about to talk about, you have no idea. What are your thoughts on that, Christian? You said put the work in a lot. It takes a lot of work that you have to put in in order to get through, you know, overcome what you've been through. So yeah. overcome what I've been through. So. so may I give my mini review of the book? Absolutely. So I just want to let everybody know I'm going to start with the end of the book. The end of the book, I will tell you, Christian, chapters 12 and 13, well, actually one through 11, I was like this the whole time. <laughs> but when I got to chapter 12 and 13, I literally had a big smile, as if my smile can get bigger. My smile, it really made my heart smile. So okay. that, it was good. So the beginning of the book, just to let everybody know, this is what got me in the first chapter. So Christian was going to dinner with her boyfriend at the time. And she was underage. She was 14. And she's describing what a hottie she looks. Because she looks like a hottie now. So she's describing how her hottie 14-year-old self looked. And then it was revealed that her boyfriend at the time was 24 yeah, and it was consensual between both of them. And they ended dinner, they had their cocktails, and they went to the car. 
and these guys pretty much sound like it would seem like it was a carjacking and they put the gun to her head and bow shot on her head her head bounced on the cement and she said she saw the pe uh, people's feet under the car and that's when you had me <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i talked enough so can you give everybody the like the motivation well no, I'm a little bit further back like tell everybody how you grew up like in the beginning stages of it okay like you mentioned i'm from new orleans and both of my parents were drug addicted. So we were between living with, and my dad, for the most part, he wasn't there. He was actually um, in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So my mother was on drugs. We ended up living with, um, we got kicked out of everywhere that we lived. So we ended up being with my grandmother. And question, what kind of drugs was your mom on? Crap. Okay. So we had to grow up. We grew up pretty fast. I had a best friend at the time and I would go by her house all the time, maybe every weekend. And one, um, how everything started from the book, um, because everything was just always bad growing up, you yeah. know, no, lights, no water. Uh, you know, we were the, I put in the dirty kids in the classroom. We didn't have to take a bath. We never took baths. We would get teased. We didn't even have to go to school. We did not have to go to school. So um, roll around to the 12, because at the time I was 12 when I met him. I was at a friend's house and her mother, boyfriend was there and his nephew was there. And at the time he was 22. So one thing happened after another, and we end up together. Um, I we actually, from the moment we met, it was just, um, how can I say this? We hooked up the day we met. I'm 12 years old, not knowing any better, and it started off being this big court case. My mom called the police. Wait, when you say hooked up, meaning you all had sex? Yes. Sex. Yes, I was 12. He was 22 at the time. So my mother found out and we went to the hospital. She made this big to do. But then she found out he was a drug dealer. And then everything became OK. Mm -hmm. Everything became OK. And that's when it all started with um, men, just men. Um, she she noticed that I um, my sister as well, but I'm gonna just keep it about me. She noticed that that attraction that was there from men. So she used it to her advantage. Wow. How did that make you feel as a 12 year old? Mm, I don't know. I think at the time, because I thought I was in love, I was probably just, um, I do remember being in, a, a little embarrassed because it did get back to school, you know, um, some type of way. I don't know how we got back to school, but I was teased because my mom was letting me whatever with these men for drugs. Everyone knew. So, but that relationship started when I was 12 until I was about 18. So was your mom using crack before or with your 
older siblings? Because I remember you mentioned in a book that I guess it was your sister that was addicted to crack already. No, no, was it you? No, no, none. My sister was not addicted to crack. My mother, when crack came around, my sister was a teenager. And my sister, I remember my sister telling me that she was watching the news and they were talking about this new saying, crack, and how it's taking over the world. And she said that she remember looking at my mom and was like, because she noticed that something started being different with my mom. My mom was a model. My mom was beautiful. My mom was a nurse. And she started noticing that things were, you know, and she said, wait a minute, is she doing what they're talking about on TV? Because mm-hmm. everything started to, you know, fall apart. But by the time I was born, my mother had two kids, waited 15 years and had four more. The last four of us were crack babies. All of us were crack babies. All of us were taken from her at birth and given to my grandmother. What does it feel? I don't know. Feel like or like what is the experience of being a crack baby? Uh, well, all I can say when we were younger, my sister and I, we would um, have like a twitching problem. Like we would rock. And so that's the only thing that I that I can say that I remember. I do know now and I don't know if it's because of that. I have a very addictive personality and it can be to anything. It can be to cake. It can be to, you know, and I'm the type that when I notice myself going overboard with something, it could be at midnight. And if I want something, we have to get up and go in the car and get it. So I don't know if that's just my personality or if it's from that. So that's why I tell my siblings that we cannot, you know, dibble dabble in some things like everyone else, you know, because we're going to get addicted to it. You know, it's already in us. So, Can you tell everybody about the experience? This one got me in the book when you were over your friend's house and the uncle was there. Hi, Ashley, Samira. She said, wow. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, your friend's uncle, you yeah, were in the bed. Yeah, I was just saying I was 12 years old and I was over my friend's house and her mother had a boyfriend. The boyfriend nephew was over. So we saw each other the same night he came. He asked me for my phone number. The, and that night I snuck out with him. The How very old night. was he? This is when I was 12 and he was 22. Damn. This is the same, you know. So, and I snuck out with him the same night. And that's the guy that I was saying that the police got involved because um, my mom found out. I think I was t- telling another friend about it over on the phone and she overheard. Mm. So she made a big deal about it. We went to the hospital. We had the rape kit done. We had all of that. Um, when she found out he was a drug dealer, it's like all the no, everything just stopped. And she welcomed the relationship. Wow. Did she encourage you to be with other men? Yeah. Um, and I tell people all the time, my the wise words. You know how your mom always give you wise words of advice? Yeah. The wise words that I remember from my mom is if you're going to have sex, get paid for it. Those were the wise words from my mom. So she 
And she, um, anything that happened, any any man, no matter how old they are, and don't forget, I was 12 years old when this all started. No matter the age, it, it didn't matter. So as long as she was able to get something from it. Wow. We have a comment here from Ashley Samira. She said that this is something similar that's happened to her as well. Wow. Ashley, if you can type in the comments how old you were when all that happened. So, um, Christian, oh, by the way, Christian, everybody, I, I had to do some research. Her name is Christian Prophet. That is really her name. That is her yeah. real name. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm going to a plan for you, Christian. Thank you. My mother was heavy into the Bible. All of our names are out of the Bible. All of ours. So, what are the names? Can you tell us? Jude, Mark. Um, my sister name is Angel, but she got it off of Angel for Angel. So, my middle names, everything was right out of the Bible. Really? Mm -hmm. So, how did you lose your virginity or do you remember like the experience or was that through your mom as well? No, it was the night that I met um, my friends. Yeah. Um, that was the boyfriend's nephew, his, her mom's nephew. And I snuck out with him that night and he took me to his house and I lost my virginity that night with him at his house. And when he brought me home, I mean, he brought me there the next day, everyone knew, like my friend knew, her mom even knew. And when all of this happened, because I think the next day I went home and I think I was telling another friend on the phone. So that's when my mom overheard it and she was going crazy. So that's when I hurry up and I called everyone. My mom knows. And my friend was like, her mom said, well, act like I didn't know. So I just I act like she did not know. Um my he actually because i told him as well he told me to go to the store and get a dish so that when they do the rape kit nothing comes back so i went i did that like he said i went to the store i got a dish so when we went to the hospital nothing was able to come back wow. and i i don't know in conversation i don't know how it came out he was a drug dealer but once my mom knew that everything stopped right then and there Mm. Was, everything was dropped. Everything was, you know, ignored. If the police tried to reach back out. Wow. Do you think your mom had sex with him too? Um, someone said that someone, I don't know if they were trying to hurt my feelings, but I was one of his ex. We were arguing one day. And she said that. She said, even your mom had sex with him. So I don't know how true that was, but it was said. Mm. Oh, yeah. Ashley did reply. She said that she was 15 and her boyfriend at the time sold drugs. And once her parents found this out, it was okay for him to spend the night over her house. Mm -hmm. Came over and knocked on the door one day and asked why he was there. And he said to say to your parents. And once he talked to my dad in the back room for a minute, my parents closed their door. Oh, wow. And for the first time, he was able to sit on my couch and watch TV. Then he was able to start spending the night. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. So what were some experiences? Did your siblings, your female, your sisters go through anything similar? Yeah, all of us. All of us. We were, um, we were, it's like everywhere we went, for some strange reason, I guess back then it wasn't as known like men not supposed to be dealing with little girls, you know, and, and, and it was because, you know, that, but everywhere we went, we met just grown men and they had no problem being with little girls. So now at this point, my mom told me if I'm going to be with them, get paid for it. So that was the model that I followed for a long time. Wow. Um, it was always an agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your biggest toxic influence on you? I I have to say it was that relationship, that specific relationship with the person I met when I was 12, um, because that it lasted for years. Now, throughout those years, I was we were I was with other people as well. But that relationship, because my grandmother, when I was, I believe, 15, my grandmother, um, we lived in this big, beautiful home. She could no longer afford her home. So she had to sell it. So at this point, he became like my caregiver. He had to take care of me. Mm. I felt like I was in jail. He would literally record my phone calls. I was not able to leave out the house. I remember one specific time I was trying to leave. I, 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 did, I just wrote about this on Instagram. I just, it just flashed. I had a flashback the other day. Mm. I was trying to leave. So I went and I stayed with one of my girlfriends and he did not know where she lived. So he showed up to my school. Um, mind you, I was about 14, 15 at this time. He showed up at my, up at my school and we're fighting literally fist fighting outside my school and the principal of my school came in and he saw what was going on and he did not do anything. He did not. I'm I'm thinking, okay, at any minute, the police is going to come. Nothing happened. Nothing. And I was so just beat up and my hair everywhere. I just walked away from school and just walked home because I'm like, wow, nobody's not going to call the police. I think he's body slamming me outside. We're literally fighting because I was trying to leave. Wow. So um, we're quick. Uh, Ashley, what, do you have your book with you? Can you hold it up? Ash, uh, put it right in the, yeah, over some more. There you go. Ashley, right? Why is it? <laughs> right there is perfect. Ashley, take a screenshot of the book. Thank you, Christian. And Ashley, I'm definitely going to put the show, uh, excuse me, the title of the book in the show notes so you can see. I encourage everybody to get this book. It was an easy read, but it was so interesting. I mean, I was, I did a deep dive into it. I couldn't, couldn't stop reading it. I was rooting for you when you and him got in the fight in the car. Yes. Please tell everybody. I oh, I was right there with you. You're welcome, Ashley. I was I was so everything about me was being controlled at that time. And I remember I wanted to go and get my hair braided. 
and he thought I was going to have sex with another guy. So he's telling me you're not, and he had a friend in the back seat at this point. So I'm like, I had it was all planned. It was already planned for me to go get my hair done. And he was supposed to be picking me up from work and dropping me off. So you're not going anywhere. You're just going to have sex with someone. And I think he I don't know what he did to me. I think he did one of those numbers. Oh, um, but I, think, I don't know what happened in me. But I, we started fighting in the car. I literally got on my feet and started kicking him in the face because and his friend, his friend is insane. Don't fight this little girl. Mind you, these are two grown ass men. His friend is insane. Don't fight this little girl. Then he's swerving and his friend is busy trying to drive the car from the back seat as we're fighting. So not once did he say, don't do that. So, you know, but he's driving the car. So as I'm kicking him, I'm kicking him too. And I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm like, you know, how dare you? I just, yeah. I just, I don't know. I was with you. The way you described that fight scene, I swear, I felt like I was in the back seat watching it. I was rooting you on. And I'm so glad you fought back. You know what I meant to ask? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, babe. I that yeah that relationship was very abusive I've always been a fighter no matter um I guess because I've, I've at that point I was like 90 something pounds and I felt that people would pick on me because of my size so I had to be a fighter I always it's like I had no choice but to fight you know mm. yeah how did you how did your mom get hooked on crack do you know if it was a specific person or just the streets? I think it was my dad, to be honest. Um, I think, I don't know if they started doing it together. Both of them were addicted. So let him tell it. She got him addicted. But let my siblings tell it. My older brother and my sister, my mom did not start doing drugs until she met my dad. How did they meet? She came we're all from New Orleans and she came to Chicago to visit some friends and they met here when she was in Chicago. Mm. So I always wanted to know what was the relationship like between your mother and your grandmommy? Oh, that was a, it was a bad relationship because my mother was addicted to drugs. So that's another time where I always had to fight. I can remember one day, she wanted some money from my grandmother and my grandmother was telling her she didn't have it. And my grandmother was sitting at the kitchen table and my mom took a pot of coffee and threw it on my grandmother and then took her purse and ran. Mm. So after I grabbed towels to blot my grandmother off, it's just, I saw red and I just ran after my mom and she was on the Last two stairs, I just ran and she had the purse and the purses in the air. I grabbed the purse and just kicked her and just ran back up to my grandmother and locked the door so that she couldn't get in because she was going to do whatever she had to do to get that purse. Wow. So, and at this point, I was my grandmother's protector. Like, you cannot, don't play with my grandmother, you know? Yeah. So, Did your grandmother know how promiscuous you was with you were with men no she never knew oh that's good because you have so much respect for her in the book i can tell mm -hmm. I wonder, how did you 
My knew I got a tattoo. When my grandmother would come around, it could be 90 degrees. I would have a turtleneck because I didn't even want her to see I had a tattoo. So she wow. didn't. Can you tell everybody the experience? Well, no, I'll say that in a minute. What really made me sad was with your when I read in the book with your younger brother when your mom told him, Well, you're a man of the house now, or like you you got it and that was just the end of it. It just seemed like she just left everybody to the streets to just fend for themselves. That was yeah. really sad. I say, I always say we were raised by wolves. We were raised by the streets. And I do know that my thought process on a lot of things um, is wrong because I was raised different. You know, right. we were raised. We had to figure it out. We, you know, from a young age, it was always figure it out. So we figured it out. So, so what's the status with your siblings right now? Um, they're good. They're good. Everyone's all spread out. I have one here in Chicago. I have some in New Orleans, some in Texas. Um, they were all. Uh, most of them was in New Orleans, but when Hurricane Katrina happened, some of them end up in Texas because of that. I have one in New York. So everybody's just all over the place. But we we are. Um, we're in contact, but everybody's just spread all out everywhere. Mm. Did anybody else get any therapy, sought therapy like you did? No. Ah, oh, wow. Mm. I was joking with my sister um, and I asked her, did she ever get therapy? She said massage therapy. <laughs> so no one has ever thought any type of therapy. Wow. I'm going to ask you about that as well in a minute, but um, can you explain to everybody about the scene when you found your mom in the bed? That was sad too. You mean after she passed? Yeah. When they called you? I was at work on my way to work and this man called my cell phone. I don't know how he got my number. He sound drunk. And he said, is this Christian? And I'm like, yes, this is Christian. He said, Baby, I'm sorry to tell you, but your mom passed. And I said, what? He said, your mom passed. And I said, okay, thank you. So at this point, she was living in an um, apartment complex, and I called the apartment building. And I said, I just got this weird call. I'm not sure if it's true, but my mother's name is Christian. I'm sorry. I'm Christian Prophet. My mother is Sandra. And I just got a phone call. And she said, yeah, baby, I'm sorry. Can you come here? Can you come here? And that's when I'm I'm like, okay. So I thought that I was coming there to maybe sign some papers, maybe I don't know what I thought I was going there to do. Right. So when I got there, I was met with the police by the police, and it's like, yeah, you can come up here with me. I'm just following him. No one said anything about anything. How old were you? At this point, I was in a, I was grown. My mom passed away um, 14 years ago. Mm. So um, she ended up here in Chicago. You know, she found her way here because we were here. So um, I'm going and I'm just following the police. You're not thinking anything of it. OK, if this really did happen, I don't know what I'm about to take care of here. But then I, I know we're going to have to go to the hospital or the morgue or wherever she is. So I'm just following the police and we go into her apartment and she's just laying there on the bed, dead. 
And she's already been there for some days because rigor mortis already started to, you, I don't know if you know, but when you pass away, some people have bowel movement on themselves or they throw up, you know, they start to defecate the thing, you know, all of that. They did not touch her. They just left her there. And nobody warned me to what I was walking into. So at this point, I'm like, I just was like, you know, wow. And I think I, I asked the police, y'all couldn't have told me, you know, yeah, warn me that this is what I was walking into. And that's when it was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you knew. That's what they said. So I, um, so I just walked right back out and I called. I don't even remember, but I know I had to call them to come pick up the body. I had to do that to call them to come the funeral home. Right then and there, I had to figure out, okay, what, how, what, what to do? You know, I don't know what to do. So I just called a funeral home and I asked them, what do I do at this point? Do she go to the hospital? And they said, no, we'll come pick her up. So within the hour, they came, they picked her up. And after a day up, I just went in her apartment and I just grabbed little like notebooks and just things that um, my siblings may want. And that's when I just left and never went back. I let them deal with, you know, the apartment and all of that. That is so sad. Uh, they should have warned you. Yeah. No type of warning at all. I think that was traumatizing. I, th I had a dream about that for maybe a year after that, for an entire year. I kept dreaming of, you know, that visual of her just being there. So, How long was she there? After she maybe three or four days. They don't, they don't know. That's what they're thinking. Because rigor mortis already started to, you know, in the state that she was in. She's my complexion, but she was gray, you know, so they're just... They don't know. That is so sad. Yeah. Is your dad still alive? Mm -hmm. He lives in Vegas. How's He's, that relationship? That relationship is great. My dad oh. is like, um, well, I don't even want to say this now because he has such a bad rep now. But my dad was always like um, Bill Cosby on the show. Yeah, how, that's how my dad was. And I kind of felt bad because we took a lot of our anger out on our mom. Our dad was able to get clean from drugs, but she was not able to get clean. So when I was um, 18 is when I moved here to Chicago because this is where my dad lived. So I believe about two years before he came and he just took my little sister, and my little brother. And he wanted to take me too, but. I was in this relationship with this guy that I thought I the same guy, you know. Yeah. And I didn't want to leave that relationship. So um, my older brother said, well, if she stays, then I'm going to stay too. So we stayed here. And but then like the when I graduated high school and he came to my graduation, we just all came back to Chicago with him. Mm. And that's how we left New Orleans and end up in Chicago and came to Chicago. It's interesting how you all had anger with your mom, but not with dad. If that yeah. was the thing, if you all thought that he's the one that got her hooked on crack. Well, we didn't re realize that until we were grown. Oh, but the parent that's there, the parent that's around, that's the parent that always get the, you know, you can't 
take it out on you know dad dad's not around but i could take it out on mom and we were so excited when and a lot of people go through that because i see that now like women where the dad is like an absentee father and when he comes around the children they're just they light up to see him but they treat their mom the one that's really theirs you know bad so we didn't realize that until we were old how we used to older how we used to treat our mom because we were angry at our dad right did your dad ever remarry? He did twice. <laughs> How do you get along with your stepmoms? I'm good. We're good. Oh, that's good. Did you see them as a a mother surrogate or just, no? No, <laughs> you're like no. No, but we're good. But we never had that type of bond. Right. So can you explain how your college years were and how did your childhood spill over into your college years? Um, which that is, that's the funny part. We never went to school. We joke around. We don't even know how we learned how to read because we never had to go to school. It got so bad. Like for my senior year, they was not, they were, they were not going to let me pass because I didn't go to school enough. En enough days to pass. So my dad called the school and told them that I was homeless. And that's how they were able to let me go across the stage. But throughout my entire life, we never had to go to school. And I always hated school because we were bullied. We were the dirty kids. Um, everybody knew my mom was on drugs and my mom was having sex with everybody's dad for drugs. And they would bully me because of that. And my sisters and brothers, always a fight because of that. So when it was time to go to college, I don't know if a switch was flipped. I just loved it. I loved it. I dove, dove, dove right on. I'm I'm a nerd. I love to read. I love to learn. I'm um I go through so many books. I educate myself on everything. So I don't know how when that transition started, but college was great. Now that those promiscuous ways followed me. In which uh, kind of way? It, it's it was um, the way of if you're going. I never. I've been in three. I'm sorry. I've been in four serious relationships. Everyone else, it was a some type of um, like a to me a business deal. You know, you want to be with me, you want me on your arm, you want to take me, you know, whatever the case may be, you're going to have to pay. And they were okay with it. So those type of ways, if follow me for a long time. And that's how I ended up in therapy because I'm like, oh, I don't want to continue being this way. I don't want to continue thinking the way I think, you know, when it comes to people in general. I don't want, and that's how I ended up in therapy um, because I wanted different for myself. I wanted my thought process to be different. I wanted, I wanted to reset the way that I was thinking because at some point I'm like, this isn't healthy. Everyone was guilty until proven innocent. Um, every situation I was trying, what can I gain from? I went in with, what can I gain from this? Right. I cannot gain anything from you. I do not want to be you know, so I went to therapy. I'm like, this isn't right for me to be thinking this way. And my therapist at the time told me, 
you this has been this this is how you survived your whole life. So why change it now? Is what they told me. It makes sense. Uh, I'm not saying it's right, because if that's all you know, that's all you know. I mean, it's truly like survival of the fittest. That was rough. Yeah, but to continue that way, to continue that way, not you know, is not. not. But I have a question to ask you. Back to college, did any of your girlfriends follow suit with you being promiscuous in college? Yeah, in college. Mm No, no, but they did used to tease me because they all had jobs. I didn't have a job yet. They were coming to me to borrow money. They're like, Christian, how? And I'm, I want to go shopping and I don't want my friends to be with me and they can't buy anything. So I'm buying everybody's stuff. Like, and they would, and they would ask, um, and then they would just come out and ask and, what did they ask? How do you get how do you get all this money? How where what did you tell them? I was truthful. Whatever guy gave it to me. Like I didn't try to, I didn't hide it. It wasn't a secret. Right. You know, I had a friend, you know. Yeah. So it it was it was nothing. It was just funny at that time that hmm. did you sleep with any of your professors? Mm-hmm. Oh shoot. Yeah. At one point, we couldn't figure it out. My friends and I, we were failing. We couldn't figure it out. And so I yeah. made it. we passed the class. <laughs> so, well, I hope it was an A. Yeah, it was. Okay. I mean, you don't want to do it for an F. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I like that you talked about therapy. So just to let everybody know, once again, get her book. Just we um someone oh Paul put the link in the show in the thread, which is great because Christian goes into a lot more detail than what she's talking now. But what really really inspired me about the book is that even though she had such a toxic, adverse childhood. It was bad, but she she sought therapy. And as the book says, turning into a, a mess into a message, you put in the hard work. And that is so good. What was it that I know you said that you wanted to try something different, but how did it feel going to therapy that first time? Uh, it felt... Well, after the first time, you know, I thought I was just going to be cured. I was going to be fixed. They were going to help me change my way of thinking. But once they told me, um, basically, you survived living this way. Why stop? You know, it was actually a man. And he was and he said, I wish I could, you know, be that way. And he was like, why change that? You were able to survive, you know? So I went to him a couple of months and then I'm like, you know what? I don't think this is for me because I wanted something different for myself. So that's when I started diving deep into personal development. I found, an, I ended up getting another therapist and, um, but just personal development and just trying to work through, you know, my ish so that I am able to, help others. Now, the way the book got started, I used to work at a clinic and 
we would have girls come in to do their internship. About every three months, a different group of girls would come. And every time someone came, they were going through something. And I would talk to them about it. And they would all tell me, how do you know? You don't look like you've ever been through anything. So that's when I would tell them some of the things that I've been through. Like, I get it, what you're going through. And they would look at me and they would say, wow, you don't look like you've been through that. And I asked them, what does that, what does the person look like that's been yeah. through something? Yeah. And I heard it so many times. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. So when I was in therapy one day, he asked me something and I couldn't remember. So he's the one that start. He said something like, won't you write it down? Like when you get a memory, just write because I would get flashbacks. Like post-traumatic stress, I would get flashbacks of things that would happen as I was young. So I started writing them down. And then I just took everything I wrote down and I put them in the book. So everything in the book is true. Everything. Yeah, it's too graphic for it to not be true. <laughs> and it was so well written. It really was. It, that's you. impressive. You know, I always I'm always impressed with writers, any kind, because my brain is literally all over the place and I see the sparkly spot on the wall, but <laughs> your, your, your content was so focused driven and it was so vivid, like, like that car ride with the fight. I literally felt like I was in the backseat watching it. So kudos to you for the very well-written book. Very Thank impressive. You. Thank you. So I asked you before about a toxic, um, um, impression that you had what was something positive that you got out of therapy um out of therapy mm -hmm. or just out of what i would have okay i'm not gonna even think i don't think this was from therapy it was from um when i started diving into personal development yeah. and started realizing that we cannot things that i've been through my mom because at one point i was even angry with my mom yeah. um learned, uh, Everything, I, I try to learn from everything. I try to, no matter how bad the situation is, what did I take from that is my philosophy now. No matter how bad, my upbringing, what did I learn from that? What did I learn that benefits me now? So am I going to focus on all this bad stuff that I can't change? Or am I going to focus on what did I learn from that experience? Mm. So that's what I try. Anything I go through, anything, it can, you know, even today. What did I learn from that? Yes, it was bad. Yes, it was horrible. But what did I learn from it? And I try not to regret anything. It could, you know, okay, this bad thing happened, but I learned from it. So, and I try to teach that to people. What's one of your biggest lessons that you learned? And what's, I know you said you didn't regret anything, but is it, even if it's a tiny regret, what are both sides? Um, I regret, I regret not having a childhood, but I think that I now live through my children. So I think I'm more excited about their birthdays than they are because I get to get, be a kid again through them. Yeah. So when it comes to a regret, just not having a childhood, not had, not knowing what that feels like, you know, someone yeah. told me something before, um, I was asking someone how to cook something. They were like, you remember when you would be in the kitchen with your mom? No, I do not have that experience with being in the kitchen with my mom. No, I, I, I never went through that. So things like that, I regret. 
Mm, wow. You know, everyone, what I'm taking away from listening to Christian, she said that she went to therapy and for a couple months, but the key is she still went again and she found a therapist that worked for her. So even though she was in the process of the healing or even in the contemplation phase of it, she still didn't quit. I think yeah. some people, and I've been there too, so it's no judgment. You know, just one therapist and it wasn't a good fit. And it took me a while to go back, but I stopped, but I still kept going and found someone that was a great fit. And I think once again, that that's very courageous of you to continue to go and find someone that was a good fit for you. Yeah, I think that people need to know that um, therapists, they're not like one size fit all. You do have to find one that's for you. Don't stop. You know, I hear people say, I went to therapy that didn't work for me. Okay, try again. Get a different, right. you know. I think some people say when it doesn't work for them, this is just my opinion, that sometimes the work is just, it's hard, you know, and you're literally ripping off these scabs of pain and sometimes you don't want to face it and it's just easier to quit. Very true. Very easy. Very true. I think you have to want it. I think when it comes to anything, a lot of people, you have to be tired enough. You have to be broken down enough. You know, um, some people, they know that they're tired. They know that they need to make a change. But I think you have to be broken, broken in order to say enough is enough. I, I need to fix this. I need what to. What was your rock bottom? I, I didn't like the way I was. I didn't like my thoughts. I knew I did not like being. I remember once I was going to work and I think this guy asked me, um, why are you always so angry? And for some reason, and he said it in a joking way. He wasn't even serious, but something clicked when he said that to me. I'm like, I am angry. I am because I like I, I could feel I feel hot. I feel just angry. Yeah. And then right after that, I'm like, and he didn't he doesn't even realize what he did. He just like, why are you always so angry? Why are you always so mad? I'm like, I am right. I am. And that's when I'm like, I need to change this. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to walk around mad and, you know, yeah. pissed off. like who wants to live that way? So. Exactly. What was your biggest takeaway from your work on your personal self-development? That we're only responsible for ourselves. Um, I think once people and um, our thoughts, our yeah. thoughts, how, you know, the, the story that we put behind things and we are only responsible for ourselves. I think one of the big things that people do, especially when they're in a relationship, it doesn't matter. It could be your mom, your, your significant other, your kids. Um, you want your whatever is based off of them. So you can only be responsible for yourself. You can only be responsible for how you show up. You can only, you have to save yourself. You know, so many people are waiting for someone to save them. Nah, save yourself, you know, you know, get to know yourself, court yourself, take yourself out, love yourself. Stop waiting for someone else to do it. Can you give someone like, can you give someone an example on how they can love themselves and the internal factor, not based on the external, but internally? 
Um, how to love yourself. Or what worked for you? What worked for me is for one, accepting, just being accepting flaws and all. So many different things, people, that's the big thing. People look at themselves and, oh, I'm not smart enough. I wish I was this or that. Nah, love yourself for what you are, who you are, and those things, accept what you can change. Can't change, I'm sorry. And if you have things that you want to change, once you're actively working on changing those things, it doesn't even have to be a change. It, but when you're in the motion of doing it, you feel so much better about yourself. And one of the examples I give, um, I wanted to lose weight. I was the biggest I've ever been in my life. And I made, I just made a, the, the choice, I mean, the decision to change. I don't like how I'm looking. Let me change this. Now, just from like the first time at the gym or the first time eating right, I just started feeling so much better about myself because I was, I had, the only thing you have control over is yourself. Right. So once you start controlling what you can with yourself and you're actually taking control and running with it, it just feels, it feels good. You know, we can't control our job. We can't control our kids. We can't control our spouse. We can't control any of that, but we can control ourselves. So once we start taking control of ourselves and being intentional with ourselves, it's like things just click. You just feel so much better. Just the process, you know. I love that when you said being intentional with ourselves. Yeah. Every morning when I get up, I set an intention for myself every morning. Yeah. Because yeah. I used to work, I used to wake up with the big old cuss words. I'm like, oh, I got to go to work. And, you know, yeah. you, you get it. You have to. And that's why when I was telling you about, I do believe heavy in affirmations. That's why I told you that I, um, I also wrote some affirmation books. And inside the books, it's prompts. And the prompts are to help you to be intentional with yourself. I love it. So, and that's, that's huge. And sometimes, and I wrote it because I was telling this to a few people and they would ask me, well, what to, what do I say to myself? What do I? So that's when I said, I got you. <laughs> and I, and I started the journals to help people just little prompts every day to be intentional with yourself. I love that because I can see the joy in your face when you start talking about the book. Oh, speaking of the smile and joy on your face, because I definitely want to get back to your books. However, I want to talk and focus on chapter 12 and 13. So everyone, just to let you know, there's always a light and a, a shining light at the end and top of the rainbow. So I, before we entered this broadcast, her honey was helping set up. I don't even know if you realize this. When she was talking to him, literally her face just brightened up. You were smiling so <laughs> cute. I love that. So tell everyone about Paul and how you met Paul and who is he? I met Paul. Look at her smiling. Look at that smile. I love it. I met Paul actually on Facebook. (laughs) Now, whenever we go somewhere, we come up with our story on how we met so that we don't have to tell people we met on Facebook. But we did. Um, I think I was doing homework and I put a post or something up saying this homework is hard. 
And he, and he inboxed me, let me see the homework, you know, and I sent him the homework and he helped me with, we he helping me with my homework. Did you all have mutual friends or how? No, was- no, that's always, that's it, almost 10 years later. We still don't know who requested who. We, <laughs> he even went so far back as to finding our messages from 10 years ago to try to prove I requested him. We don't know. So we don't know. Um, how we even became Facebook friends. So yeah, 10 years later, um, here we are. I love it. I love it. So how is the relationship with you and Paul? Because I'm sure he knows your past and I'm sure everyone has a past, but. Um, It's fine. I, I was, I'm always upfront with everyone about, you know, my past and what I've been through. And he was there as I was writing the book and um, no judgment there. Like we're, I've never been the type and I wouldn't even entertain the type of person to try to judge someone based off of something they've been through, you know, in their past. So no, nothing there comes up about my past. How was the communication with you all? It's good. You mean about my past or just? Just in general. It's good. Because I figure if you all can talk about your past, I think anything could be better after that, you know? And everyone has a past. Yeah. Hmm. Everyone has a past. So that's never, you know, the only times it it, it come up, because even today, I'm still triggered by things that has happened in my past. Like what? Um, I cannot. I cannot. Oh, just the other day, we ordered pizza, and I fell asleep, and I don't. Rem- and I did not get a chance to eat that pizza. And then I remember a time when my dad's wife at the time drugged me. <laughs> And I remember not. Wait, wait, wait. She gave me because I've always been very, very skinny. And I told her I want to gain weight. And she said, I have pills to make you gain weight. And I said, oh, great. Can I have a pill? So when this pizza comes, because my dad ordered pizza, I want to just be able to eat so much so that I can gain weight. And she gave me a sleeping pill. So I remember my dad yelling at her, what did you give her? What, why is she, what did you, cause I'm passed out on the sofa. He's like, what did you give her? And she said, I probably, I made a mistake and gave it a wrong pill. So, but for some reason, when I woke up, that popped in my head, like I didn't get a chance to have the pizza and, but why? But it brought back that memory. And I, and I'm like, yeah, the weirdest thing just came back. Cause things that I don't even remember, the smallest thing can trigger it and bring it back. So, yeah. Triggers are real. Yeah, they are. They are. It is what you do with it or do you continue to go on in life being triggered or or I should say being triggered and not having the coping skills. To- exactly. Because yeah. you cannot control being triggered. You can control what you do with it afterward. You know, are you going to allow it to continue and allow you to be angry? Or are you going to work through it? You know, so mm-hmm. that's the difference. You cannot control being triggered. Not at all. Not at all. So can you hold your books up? Uh, there are both of your books. 
Hold up. Actions is three. This yes. is my memoir. Hold right there. Everybody take a screenshot of it. It's why Christian speaks turning my mess into a message. Mm-hmm. And then the two affirmation books, I did one for him and one for her, a male and a female. Okay, so, hold the female up. Oh, the female? Yes. Bring it a little closer. Okay, everybody take a screenshot of it. Okay. And so one is feminine um, affirmations and the other is masculine affirmations. Perfect. And it's a journal so that you can, um, it's prompts there and you can, just to remind you of who you are, because I think a lot we forget who the hell we are. So these journals are just a reminder, it's prompts to remind you, you know, who you are and it allows you to just, you know, go down memory lane. Like, yeah, I did do this, didn't I? You know, so that was what that was about. So is there going to be a part two to your memoir? Not, I don't think it's going to be one to the memoir, but I am in the works of writing other books, but it's not a part two. Okay. Well, we're going to stay tuned to that one. Okay. We're going to start wrapping it up because we're already at an hour. Okay. But, um, I would like for you to leave a, a good mess. Oh, here it is. What it would be your final word on people who have lived with mess, how can they turn it around to have a great message as yourself? But when I say talk about it, because I didn't even realize I had a message until I started talking about it. And still, you know, um, a lot of times people are embarrassed about what they've been through. Yeah. And I was once upon a time. But once you start talking about it and you can see how your mess can help someone. You know, if you're just, you know, it happened already. It happened in the past. No need to be embarrassed about it. You can't change it. And if you don't want to talk about it, um, get, it get in it out some type of way. If the therapist, a coach, write it down and, you know, your journal, burn it after you write it down. But you but get it out because keeping that in, keeping all of that stuff in you, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. so get it out some type of way. And try to use it to help someone else. Absolutely. Ashley, she just posted that she agrees and that this is a great message. See? Yeah. <laughs> That's what this, this is why I do this podcast. Because if a million people listens to it, that is great. But if one person exactly. gets a message and it mm-hmm. touches them and and their soul vibrates, then that's what's worth it. That exactly. is it. One person, that's all, you know. Oh. Let me touch one person. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, any other parting words? Anything else you, any um, seminars coming up? If you can tell us your Instagram again, just give um, us My Instagram is Christian Profit Coaching. I do offer one-on-one coaching. You can hit me up. Um, DMs on Instagram. These books, all three are available on Amazon, my book and these affirmation journals. And that's pretty much it. Everything I do is to try to help people, someone out there. 
So I hope everybody heard that she is a certified coach and she is very good about returning her DMs because I was sliding in those DMs. <laughs> was I or was I not? <laughs> She's very good about it. But um, I God bless you. I mean, I'm very glad when you said that you will come on. I felt very honored. Thank you. Very honored because I don't know. It was just something about you. Just I don't know. Just something about the way you post. And then when remember when I talked to you when I was at work, I was so excited. (laughs) It was. That was nice. (laughs) Yeah, we had a great conversation. I knew instantly. I was like, oh, I hope she says yes. I hope she says yes. And she did. Yes. So um, and Ashley said, Oh, Ashley said that she will definitely like her up. <laughs> that means she's gonna follow you. <laughs> Ashley, slide in her DMs. Slide in her DMs. <laughs> but the last message that I would say is that um, I agree with what you said about letting it out, whatever it is to let it out. Oh, she says she's gonna be looking you up. Okay, <laughs> but that's what we want. But yeah, I. I feel it's very courageous for anybody to look in their past and just work through it. Whatever those thoughts are, I extremely courageous and um, to let it out because when you don't, it's like a pressure cooker. No better yet. It's like a, a barrel of water and one drip at a time. And that can go on for years or weeks or yeah. months. Yeah. And it'll be that one last drop of water. And all the water is going to come out exactly. of the world. Exactly. That's when you explode. Exactly. Right. That's when you explode. And that um, everyone's childhood, no one is unique, I think. You know, everybody goes through it. It's just. Trauma is trauma. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people don't even realize that they went through trauma. So I Can think- Can you say that again, please? A lot of times, um, one, and I get a lot of messages about that. People ask me, well, was this trauma or was this trauma with it? And so I have to break it down before, it, you know, sometimes we we go through things and we don't even realize it's wrong until we're older or looking back on it and we don't realize how that how it mold us to be you know how we are how we show up now so whenever someone is going through something you know you have to dig deep sometimes you have to dig deep and figure out why am i this way why does that bother me the way that bothers me it's from something it's from some type of trauma mostly from your childhood Right. As a but you know, we hear it a lot. Oh, that's just tough love and <laughs> no. I, I was just having that conversation, you know. No. Ooh, so. Maybe maybe I'll invite you. Maybe you'll say yes again. We could talk about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it needs to be talked about. Absolutely. Ashley wanted you to repeat your Instagram again. Christian Profit Coaching. So just my name with coaching at the end. Christian Profit Coaching. So Ashley, definitely go on uh, the um, podcast, Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together, or go on YouTube. I will definitely put all of Christian's contact info. 
other than that, I mean, I'm just glad we had this conversation. I hope you will come back again. You're welcome, Ashley. Hope you will come back again. And um, absolutely, keep up the good work. It's some good work. Having me. Keep healing people one one page at a time. I will. I will. <laughs> Stay on for me. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Remember, turn your mess into a message. You're living proof. You're looking at two women right now. We have a message and we've gone through some mess. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Paul is posting as we go. I love it. See, that's a good partner. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, everybody just just keep pushing. I love the message that she said was she didn't quit. Yeah. Just keep going no matter what and not to let your past dictate what your present and or future is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. God made us all perfect. No quitters here. No you want to have a good night, right? And if you think of any topics, let me know. We're coming up to a close of season 1 have a very special guest. Uh, The last day of season one will be on Thanksgiving, but I have sprinkled a couple of bonus episodes in between. So good night, everyone. Journey well. Oh, and tune back in tomorrow uh, at 3 p.m. We have the lovely Linda Gamble, my mentor, one of my many mentors. All right, everyone. Good night. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. This for the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate. Sun kiss goddess, heavenly order Levitate, tribe of Ashanti Black girl magic, melanin popping Whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage You a gift and a treasure You got to love a black girl getting a shift together Black girls are getting a shift together These black girls getting a shift together Man, these black girls are getting a shift together These black girls getting a shift together, dog.